Hello and welcome to Shakes Pod, Silicon Valley Shakespeare's podcast. I'm your host, Annalisa Tkachev, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. I'm the managing director at SVS. In the spirit of Silicon Valley Shakespeare's motto, to innovate, illuminate, and inspire, we're connecting with our community and highlighting a nonprofit fundraiser that really speaks to our mission statement. Today, we are honored to have Aldo Billingsley here with us to talk about the Black Theater Fund for the U.S. Aldo, who uses the pronouns he, they, is a professor of theater at Santa Clara University, teaching courses in performance and performance studies that include American theater from the Black perspective, a seminar on August Wilson, and acting for non-majors. A member of Actors' Equity Association and the Screen Actors Guild, Aldo has appeared in numerous productions and worked in dozens of theaters across the country. If you haven't had the pleasure of seeing Aldo on stage himself, you've at least seen his influence on the SVS stage. Just to name a few of the actors who have gone through his classroom at SCU, we've had the pleasure of casting Robert Campbell as Romeo in Romeo and Juliet and Iago in Othello, Anne Cabori, who played Desdemona in Othello, Ariel in The Tempest, and Hamlet in our all-female identifying production of Hamlet. And me! I was lucky enough to take an acting course with Aldo at SCU back in 2009, and we've been happily bumping into each other in this small Bay Area theater world ever since. Aldo, we are so excited to have you here with us today. Thank you for spending this time with us. Thanks so much for having me. It really is an honor to be here. Now, in addition to all of the wonderful roles and hats that Aldo wears every day, he is also the creator of the Fund for Black Theater in the U.S. Can you tell us how this all started? It started because I became an associate producer with Playground in San Francisco. And uh, so uh, uh, that's my, my attempt to plug playground-sf.org. And they had commissioned a play that they were really excited about. They asked me to read. I read it on a trip uh, to uh, uh, South Dakota. And uh, we had to, um, we were driving back from South Dakota to Nebraska to uh, uh, because we were looking for a cheaper flight and we had a long drive and just after I got to the second or third page of the script I said hey everybody uh, I need to read you this script can we turn off the radio and then I read to the car for a couple of hours this script and we were dying laughing and we were testifying it was just fabulous that script was polar bears black boys and prairie fringed orchids so um, uh, uh, that script came back to mind after the murder of George Floyd. When he was killed, the artistic director of Playground called and I thought, oh, I know exactly why he's calling. He's calling because he's going to say this script, which deals with um, a white couple uh, who is having a cocktail party and are bringing in the leader of the Black Lives Matter movement, and a mother who's just lost her son to police violence, uh, she's going. This woman brings these people into her party house for a cocktail party so they can get together and talk and hash some things out. Uh, he's going to want to do that play. That's not why he was calling, but I was convinced it was. Uh, and he was actually calling because he wanted to uh, run by the theater's Black Life Matters statement uh, with me and, and get my input on it. And I told him that, and he's like, oh, well, we should do that. We should make that happen. And as we started to build it out, 
and we started to uh, ask for collaborators of whom Silicon Valley Shakespeare was one of the people who helped mm -hmm. collaborate as a producer, and we appreciate uh, your support on that. Uh, we realized that the audiences from Playground and from Silicon Valley Shakespeare and from California Shakespeare and San Francisco Shakespeare, all of these theaters that were coming together were going to bring a lot of eyes together for this one moment. And much in the same way that you are using your status and your clout to highlight other sources that are in need, mm. we knew that we would have this opportunity. Um, we were working with uh, one of the, the first people to jump in was um, uh, Michael Freed from uh, Planet Earth Arts, who actually commissioned, helped commission the play as it was written because it was uh, focusing on some issues of sustainability for the planet. Mm. Um, and Michael Freed said, uh, what kind of fundraiser are you going to have? And I didn't know. I said, mm. but, yeah, I'm thinking about that already. What are we going to, what are we going to tell people we want them to, to, to contribute to? Uh, and I was thinking about it. And then at that moment, Eric Ting from California Shakespeare Festival got together a bunch of people who had worked there, a, a large group of black actors. We all had a Zoom. There's 20 of us or so on, uh, in this Zoom call. And, uh, and we were just connecting and, uh, supporting each other, uh, in that moment. And Margot Hall, the new artistic director of the Lorraine Hansberry Theater, Margot said, you know what we need? We need a GoFundMe for black theater. Yes. And I thought, great, that's what we'll do. And I went out and started uh, doing some research about what I need to do. And I started uh, this GoFundMe for uh, black theater. And I did not, of all the things that I did, I did not call Margot Hall back and say, hey, Margot, do you want to participate? And <laughs> is it okay if I, were you going to do that? And if not, can I do this thing? Because it yeah. was your idea. <laughs> I didn't do that. I didn't do that. So eventually Margot reminded me that I didn't do that. And I really should have done that. Um, but uh, she was gracious and she uh, was willing to serve on the steering committee for the fund. And, uh, and, and uh, so when I had uh, set it up, I was trying to think of what amount to ask for. And I thought, I don't want to ask for an amount and then it'd be too low and we should have, we should have aimed higher. Uh, I would much rather aim really high and not reach it than uh, aim low and surpass it. And then people uh, feel like, oh, well, I, we should have done more. We should have whatever. Mm -hmm. So uh, I said, uh, we set it for a million dollars. We thought, that will raise eyebrows. That will make people say, whoa, that's something. And catch not just the attention of people who are possible donors, but also of the many black theaters around the country. There, that When we did the play reading that night on the 19th of June, Juneteenth, which celebrates the uh, uh, last slaves in the Confederacy being freed, uh, on the 19th of June in 1865 in Texas and Galveston, um, we had 42 Bay Area theaters that were wow. collaborating. And we had another 28 around the country that were also um, participating, including uh, theaters that, you know, a, a black theater in Eugene, Oregon that I wasn't aware of had 
had produced their own reading that night with some other theaters in Eugene and and in Orlando and in DC. And in total, uh, we are aware of at least 10,000 uh, computers that were online to see the event. It may wow. have been a couple more people or less in different places, but 10,000 is a lot for theater. Absolutely. Um, uh, uh, it, you can go a whole run uh, and, and not get that many people in a lot of uh, uh, substantial theaters uh, around the uh, the country. So um, we were very pleased. And that night, the fund went from uh, some, some form around 20-something, I think. But by the end of the evening, it was over $90,000. Uh, and it is now at $147,603, give or take a couple bucks. Uh, wow. So we are we are still well off of a million, but almost one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for black theaters, which are um, uh, remarkably underfunded. Can you tell us a little bit more about that script, the uh, Polar Bears, Black Boys, and Prairie Fringed Orchids? It's uh, it's pretty amazing. It 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 is pretty amazing, and and you are aware that it's pretty amazing because when I first uh, uh, ran across it, I was like, people need to do this script. Yes. And you and I were on, our, on a trip to uh, uh, Ashland, Oregon uh, with the uh, Santa Clara University alumni. And that's uh, where we got to reconnect. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. And yes. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm going to do a, a reading of a play while I'm up there. Do you want to participate? And it's like, great, here's another good actor. So Oop, um, a resounding hell yes for me. <laughs> <laughs> and then you tackled me and you took the script out of my hands and I, and I, and I had to run after you. Um, uh, yeah, so, uh, so when the Oregon Shakespeare Festival had these comments about the play, but they didn't want to go on with it, um, uh, I got those comments and those, that feedback back to Vincent. Uh, and there's just so much I, I love about the play that uh, that when we had a chance to do it for Juneteenth, that was great. But one of the first things I asked Vincent, because uh, one of the things I said was, let's have every, every collaborating theater um, pay a small fee um, uh, to the playwright so that we can compensate him for his work. And then if they hire actors, great. And if they don't, at least he'll be compensated by each of those theaters. Um, uh, and uh, so Vincent was very happy that we were doing that. And uh, I thought in this moment of happiness, let me now secure a production for Santa Clara University. And he agreed. <laughs> oh, and wonderful. So, uh, we have been in rehearsal for two weeks now. And uh, uh, so uh, on the 6th of November, you can look for polar bears, black boys, and prairie-fringed orchids at Santa Clara University with just a wonderful group of students and one alumnus, uh, Jennifer Bradford, who was also on that trip. Absolutely. Uh, Yay, Jennifer. Is uh, playing uh, the role of, of uh, Rita Dupree. And, um, uh, uh, and so she has been with the play since that trip where yes. she read on that trip and then she read for uh, the, uh, SF, um, the SF Playhouse. They were one of the collaborators, but it was actually playgroundsf.org, <laughs> playground-sf.org, just in case Jim Kleinman is listening. Just in case. Just in case. Uh, and, <laughs> uh, and, and now she will be in the, the third Bay Area iteration of the play 
and uh, and blessed by her as she plays the mother of Elijah Dupree. And in the play, Elijah Dupree has been killed. He's a 12-year-old who the uh, police pull up at a scene and within three seconds of arriving at the scene, the police kill 12-year-old Elijah Dupree. Um, and that sounds a little bit far-fetched. It sounds a little bit uh, um, uh, contrived to think that the cops would show up and in three seconds they would uh, take out the life of a young child, 12 years old. But um, that is precisely what happened to Tamir Rice right. in Cleveland. And in mm-hmm. uh, it is uh, three seconds after mm-hmm. the police car drives up on the grass to the gazebo where a little boy is sitting and they drive up quickly and the there are three seconds after the car stops oh. the child is dead so that part is absolutely authentic mm. the wild thing is that you're going to deal with that in a play that is technically a comedy with mm. so much laughter there's so much uh there's so much that the play deals with but it's it's really ironic that uh there's so much laughter early on but it's not ironic it's strategic it's by design the the playwright wants you to hear he wants you to take things in and he wants you to get context and care about these people before he gives more information and uh uh and takes you in a different direction so uh you have peter and molly castle and peter is an emergency room doctor and molly is an environmental attorney and uh the housekeeper who you never see because she's been given the day off is claire claire is african-american and she's been given the day off because Molly is having some black people over and doesn't want those black people to see that she's got a black maid. She doesn't want to be one of those people who have a black maid, and yet she is. Uh, and, and, and Molly is working really, really hard to try to be politically correct. Uh, her husband, Peter, has a pretty good sense of humor about some of these things. And Peter is uh, uh, desperate to have uh, Molly become pregnant with their child, even though they have a child. They have Jason, who is three years old and has been adopted by Molly and Peter. But Jason, as being adopted, is not the biological child of Molly and Peter. And people can tell because Jason is a black child. So they've adapted an African-American boy. And, uh, and so uh, Peter loves Jason, wants, wants to take care of Jason, but Peter also wants his own offspring and says he wants to leave some part of self on the planet when they're gone. Uh, And uh, into the party comes Shamika Davis, and Shamika works in a bookstore uh, that is uh, called the Frederick Douglass, which is in Harlem, where the, the house is set. And Peter and Molly have moved to Harlem in the newly gentrified section of Harlem. And Shamika says that it's remarkable. She was trying to bring them a bottle for the evening. And 
was having a hard time trying to find a liquor store in Harlem, which hadn't happened before gentrification. Uh, then the liquor stores were a plenty because that's a business that has always been successful in poor neighborhoods. Uh, and uh, I, I think Marx may have been right about religion being the opiate of the people, but the liquor store is really the opiate of the poor people in, in poor neighborhoods. And we know that. And that's why they're less restricted in those poor neighborhoods mm. than they are in wealthier ones. Uh, so he, the playwright makes that comment and Shamika comes in. Uh, Shamika and Molly have connected because Molly's been coming into the bookstore to read books about raising a black child. And Shamika has fallen in love with the three-year-old Jason. She, he's talk, she talks about how cute he is and she wants to help uh, uh, connect Molly to the resources that can help her be a, a better mother. Um, uh, Molly realizes that Shamika is single and she has met this charismatic leader of the Black Lives Matter movement and she's invited him over so that he and Shamika could hopefully meet. And, uh, uh, and he says he's coming, but he's also bringing a plus one. So Molly is hoping that his plus one might also be interested in Shamika and that the two can vie for her affections. Uh, uh, Molly does not realize that when the, uh, the plus one comes in, and he is another male, uh, he's a white male, which is a little bit surprising to, to Molly, but uh, he's also uh, a gay male and the leader of the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, Jaquan, uh, Jaquan is uh, his lover, and so uh, this gay couple come into the household. And uh, with these people in, uh, what could go wrong? No, it, it does. It gets uh, it gets a little it gets a little wacky, a little kooky, and there's some tension, some racial tension uh, uh, that Shamika um, is not so much uh, against this black man being with another man, but she is somewhat, somewhat against this black man being with another man who's white. Uh, mm. um, we find out uh, that Shamika is not an employee at the bookstore, that Shamika is the owner of the bookstore, but Molly never found that out because it was a bias that she had that this woman wouldn't own a bookstore wouldn't be a bookstore owner so uh it is uh, um lots of stuff going on and yeah so i hope that helps absolutely thank helps. you for breaking that down for our listeners i think it's i'm really excited to see this production um one day on the stage it's something that um i definitely have on my list and i will be front row seat at the Zoom performance, so good, uh, wonderful. I can promise you that you'll probably have one of the best seats in the house if you oh, watch the Zoom performance. Thank you so yeah. much. Thank you. So, as you've been raising these funds, and we're happy to hear that it's chugging along. What is that about tenth of the way? Um, yeah, uh, yes, we are are, are ten point uh, fifteen percent of our way towards our goal. Only eighty five percent to go. Um, only eighty five. Only 85, but we're actually going to wrap up uh, um, before the end of the year uh, mm. because um, Margot had the idea first. Let's get that clear. But yes. the, Mellon, the Mellon Foundation has just announced uh, 
that they're going to, um, that they've, they have a fund for about 3 million for black theaters as well. Wow. So uh, one of the thoughts is to have the steering committee uh, um, of which uh, Margot uh, Hall is a member, as is Vincent Terrell Durham, the uh, playwright. Mm-hmm. The, the playwright is also an accountant. And so uh, he's serving on the committee to, to help distribute the funds. Uh, and so we're still looking at that, how that's gonna happen because one thought was to see which black theaters didn't get funds from Mellon. Uh, mm. And, and uh, maybe that, that's what we'll do. It, it hasn't been decided yet. Um, mm. uh, so we'll see what the, what the committee decides to do, which I'm, I'm not on the committee. Uh, any, I was initially, but uh, I set it up and then I stepped away partly because of uh, being overwhelmed with other things, but partly because the chair of the committee is the president of the Lorraine Hansberry board. And then when Margot became the artistic director of the Hansberry, uh, we would have, I'm a board member for the Hansberry and we would just mm. had too many, too much Hansberry on this, uh, on this one committee. So uh, I stepped aside. Too many hands in the Hansberry? Oh, look at you, what you did. <laughs> you played with language. We love you. Sorry, not sorry. Um, <laughs> have you had any particular challenges that have come up during this fundraiser? Oh, Funny that you should ask. <laughs> there is, uh, uh, so as I was putting the fundraiser together, um, it, it's uh, Facebook on it a lot, a lot of people on Facebook, and I topped out on the number of people who you can call friend on Facebook, and uh, and started trying to call people, you know, this person. Uh, they went to the same high school as I did. They graduated 30 years later, but they still went to the same high school. Uh, maybe maybe we don't need to be uh, connected. I don't really know who <laughs> yeah. they are. I couldn't pick them out of a lineup. Yeah. Started doing that. And then someone said, well, why don't you just create a fan page and you can send people to your fan? I was like, that's good. So I did that. And uh, and then I, and then we launched the, uh, the, the, the Fund for Black Theater. And one of, another one of my former students, um, uh, contacted me and said, Hey, I work at Facebook. And because I work at Facebook, uh, one of our perks is we have ad credit. And I was like, what's ad credit? She's like, like you're buying ads at Facebook. Uh, I'd like to give you a thousand dollars in ad credit. Wow. And I was like, great. Uh, how's that work? And she said, if you let me take control of the page for a little while, I can, uh, uh, use my credits. They get like two fifty a month or whatever in ad credit, and they can uh, use that to help promote the page, and more people will know about the page. It's like great, cool. Little did I know. Oh, uh, meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, uh, <laughs> there was uh, um, not a lot of discernment about who should and sh- shouldn't get the information because we wanted help from lots of people. Um, but there are people who are triggered. They are literally, I want to use that term triggered by the word black. Mm. And so in the name of racial justice, they say, they were jumping in to say that it is wrong to have a fund for black theater. It is wrong. Uh Where are the, where are the white theaters? They asked. 
<laughs> Where are they not? I asked. <laughs> Where are the white? Why aren't you? What the white people aren't good enough for you to work with? Where are the white theaters? Oh and you don't like white people. You are a racist. This is racism. Shame on you for denying white theaters their. Uh, and it's really um, uh, interesting. The uh, not only uh, the, the the vitriol, but um, that somebody gets so upset that they want to spend time, and some of them spend a lot of time on that fan page, and uh, and and spewing and and churning and and talking about how upset they are that this exists. Um, uh, it, it, it's, it's kind of fascinating. Initially, I thought, oh, uh, these people are, are cursing and, and these people are saying some kind of uh, uh, cruel and abusive things. I don't want people to see that. I should, I should take all of these off and then stop and thought, oh, you know what? Uh, they are proving a point on why we need this. Absolutely. And, so uh, and so on occasion, I would just say on my own Facebook page, uh, check out some of the comments that are coming in over here or people uh, showing a, a completely uh, overloaded toilet with urine and feces and said, this is my contribution to your black theater. And uh, or someone showing a, a dog defecating on a lawn and said, this is your ad on my Facebook page. This is what it's doing to me. And oh, like, oh, oh, oh okay, I see. Thank you. Uh, and uh, and the the irony in people saying uh, that that is uh, abusive, that is racist, is uh, would be akin to someone saying that a children's hospital is ageist because we shouldn't be protecting children or mm. a women's shelter for uh, 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 victims of domestic violence should uh, not be exclusively for women. We should have those for women and men. I don't know these people personally. Thank God. Uh, yeah. But uh, I, I think that they are probably not protesting those things. I think that, right. th that they can see that in one situation you have people who are on the margins and, and, uh, or people who are, uh, um, more vulnerable. And, uh, but with black people, a lot of people don't see that there is inequity. They, they want to say that we all have exactly the same opportunities. Absolutely not true. Uh, that's like saying all men and women get paid the same for the work that they do. And they're still, you know, some uh, 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 seven to eleven percent uh, 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 difference in wages for the same work in this country. Uh, it, there is a bias. There is a difference, and particularly yes. when you use the power and the systems to discriminate against a group for, I don't know, let's give it 200 years, uh, and then say, okay, uh, everything's equal now. Uh, you can't do anything to help that group because that will be unfair is absurd, is absurd. Uh, 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 Justice Blackman says that the only way to rectify the inequity is to take 
affirmative action on behalf of the oppressed group. But uh, yeah, the, the, this is this this that may be a concept beyond some people, um, or they just don't want to hear it. Uh, they they want to to, uh, to to say that this is what I want, and I don't want anybody else to have the things that I want. I don't know, but the, it, it's it, it's 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 interesting. Uh, and sometimes I go there just to see what uh, interesting comments are are being made there. Um, but uh, uh, it not to delve too deep because mm. I think th that kind of vitriol can be caustic to the soul. And uh, I, I need to try to be as uh, at my best when I meet other human beings and not carry someone else's uh, mm. baggage and hatred into the next conversation that I have. Amen to that. Absolutely. Wow. I'm, I'm shocked to hear of the comments, I'm sadly not surprised. Uh, yeah. People like to show their true colors behind the keyboard. They just oh yes, that's where all of the the courage comes. In, Absolutely, in the, in they feel like they can say whatever they want. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm sorry about that. Yeah. All good, all good. But let's hear some good stories. What okay. are some? What are some fundraising, warm and fuzzy, heartwarming things? Um, that have come through because of this fundraiser. And I know part of that is maybe having 42 Bay Area theaters back this production on Juneteenth saying, we stand with you. Yeah, you know, I, I uh, uh, not to toot my, my own horn, but toot away. I, I, don't, I don't know that that, that had happened before, um, that mm. that many theaters got together and did something like that before. But I do know that on the 13th of October, Berkeley Rep is going to have a radio play. What radio? People listen to radio even with the internet, like podcast. podcast. Yes, yes. <laughs> so they're going to do a radio uh, a play of "It Can't Happen Here," uh, uh, which was uh, successful, um, and they're bringing that production back to, with uh, Tony Tacconi and, and Lisa Wolpe and uh, and uh, a lot of different cast members. Uh, David Kelly from. Uh, uh, um, uh, from Ashland and and uh, uh, several other people, uh, 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 Greta Oglesby also from Ashland, is going to be involved in that production. Um, uh, and they got a whole lot more than forty-two involved. Um, uh, uh, the uh, uh, Santa Clara University is one of the people that are involved in supporting that production. Uh, yay! Uh, so yay for the university, but also the Juneteenth Theater Justice Project. Um, which was a theater that was born on Juneteenth when I, I realized that, that uh, I needed to have a, a, a theater that helped su support this. And uh, it is now one of the uh, uh, innovator uh, incubator uh, labs for, uh, in the innovator incubator lab for playground-sf.org, <laughs> playground, playground uh, shepherds, uh, playwrights and directors, and it also helps uh, young uh, theaters over a, a, a multi-year pr uh, project of getting on their feet, learning how to deal with contracts, how they can hire union people and such. And so wow. uh, we created the Juneteenth Theater Justice Project on Juneteenth. And, uh, uh, and so Juneteenth Theater Justice Project is one of the, another one of the, the backers for um, It Can't Happen Here. 
but it's a long, long list. And I like this idea of theaters working together uh, to make this sort of thing happen. Uh, and that is a very warm fuzzy for people saying, look at what theater can do. Look mm -hmm. at how theater can remind us as a citizenry about our obligation to first vote, um, uh, to be informed, to take an active role in our democracy, mm. to, uh, to uh, educate people about it and to make every effort to protect it when, uh, when uh, voters' rights and, uh, and, and, and the ability to vote is under attack by uh, various methods, uh, then we have yes. to do those sorts of things. And, and a lot of the reason that they are under attack by those various methods is because we haven't done the work to educate and know mm. what exactly is the threat, how much of a, of, of a threat have we had in the past um, of, for voter fraud in general or mail mm -hmm. fraud in voting specifically and 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 if we would if we're going to focus this kind of national attention on something that has been so minuscule in the past can we also focus that kind of attention on something as uh as impactful and as lethal as gun violence can we do that yes. uh um would be nice to, to say maybe some uh, reasonable legislation in that area would be good as opposed to uh, 21,000 uh, uh, ballots in Los Angeles that didn't have the president on the ballot that had to be pulled back and Ugh. those sorts of things. Yeah, not good. No, no. Um, that wasn't so warm and fuzzy. I, that, finish, that finish was not warm and That's fuzzy. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> That's life right now. Life is, uh, life is challenging right now, but it's also, yes. it's yes. also, it has the potential to bring us to a beautiful, beautiful place. Yes, it does. Yeah, that, that it is, it is from the corruption in the court that makes us want to go into the forest of Arden, yes. but it's still, the forest of Arden is still part of that world. And when you get there and you say, we can hold court out here in the woods, or we could hold court right here in the living room. Uh, it, it can be our theater. It can be our sanctuary. We can go to church and we can still hold, hold and have community. Absolutely. Absolutely. We just, we just have to shift a little bit and we'll be just fine. Yeah. Something I've heard recently that I really love and resonate with is that people that work in the arts right now are second responders. <laughs> it's people true. really it's true. need the arts right now. Yeah. Uh, of all times. <laughs> you know, there are probably enough people in the United States that you could put into a phone book who have a phone, phone book, a phone booth. What are phone booths? Oh, into a Volkswagen. What's uh, a phone book? <laughs> into a Volkswagen who have not, who have not streamed uh, 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 on Netflix or some other uh, or film or a TV show mm -hmm. in the last six months. Um, this is how people are coping. And, uh, and it's not just, I'm going to stream this show. Uh, I'd like to see an episode of, no, I'd like to see a seven year series in the next three days uh, so that we, we devour these things. Mm -hmm. 
uh, and it's the and it's the artists that get us through. It's someone's imagination as a writer and somebody else's uh, imagination as a director to come through, and then the actors to execute. and And uh, those things can transport us in the same way that our boy Billy, when he was going through his pandemic, said, "You know what? I need to write a good play about how to get through a storm." Here comes my lyre. Um, and, oh, and, yes. And, and, and how we get past those things. So have you had your Cordelia yet? Not yet. Okay. I just want to put that out there. I just want, I just want to say that out there, put that in the, in the ether. God bless you. Put it into the universe. There you go. Please. There you go. <laughs> there, so, yeah. Wonderful. Is there anything else you wanted to mention to share with us? Uh. Yeah, and and just because of a conversation that I was a part of last week, and in this movement of uh, decentering and recentering, uh, recentering in a more inclusive way, decentering uh, away from white male as a default. Mm. Uh, uh, not because all white males are at fault, hear that, but yeah. to say, let's think about opening up the umbrella and see how many more people we can get in. That when you do that and you say, okay, now, now what stories are there that we can tell that are meaningful, that are impactful, that have uh, uh, plot and point and, uh, and, and uh, when told correctly can be moving? You're still going to have Shakespeare. Mm. Shakespeare is still going to be there. And well, but wait, he's a white man. Yeah, he is. Um, and uh, look how he creates his women. And look what he's done with his characters who are on the margins. Look what, look what he's done with Othello. Uh, and look what he's done with Shylock. And uh, yes, but Shylock is a mock. Yeah, yeah. Look at hath not a Jew eyes, hands, dimensions. And you go, oh. Yeah, he's still talking about his humanity and him as a person who is being oppressed in that moment and says, the villainy you teach me, I will execute and it may go hard, but I will better the instruction that if we keep teaching that kind of hate, someone's going to learn that hate and they will better than, the, than they learn. They will do better. They will do more hateful things than just the ones that they were taught. And uh, those are important messages. So for a Shakespeare company to realize that, uh, uh, yeah, maybe some other, maybe there are some other, maybe Hannah Crowley, uh, who was uh, 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 very close to being a contemporary of Shakespeare, not quite, not quite. I think she's more 18th century, early 18th century. But uh, um, uh, looking at uh, what it was to have a female playwright at that time laying down some really, really interesting scripts mm -hmm. uh, might be a good thing to do while you're looking at Shakespeare. But it doesn't mean that you need to, uh, with uh, cancel culture, uh, go without consideration and take things out uh, that you might think about what's worth keeping so we don't lose the baby with the bathwater. Absolutely. That's that's what I would also say. That's an interesting concept that has come up um, in the past few months that we've started talking about at SVS as well, is just the amount of space that Shakespeare takes up in the theater. 
It's a lot. Every, uh, every summer, all the way around the country that he didn't ever set foot in. Right. Is, uh, you know, um, uh, a friend of mine, one of my roommates is uh, from college is a librarian. He said, yeah, you know, the, uh, well, librarians say that between Shakespeare and Jesus, those two, those two guys have the library taken <laughs> up. Uh, um, and uh, yes, not to say don't study, just to say, can you open it up? And, Absolutely. Uh, and, and look at other things. Make space. Uh, yeah, yeah. What, yeah. what would happen if we all went three years without a midsummer? Would, would, it, would it really hurt? Would it, could, we, could we still survive? I don't uh, know. We should try. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you for having me, Annalisa. Thank really you so, it. so much for being here with us. At SVS, we fully support and endorse this fundraiser, the work it seeks to accomplish, and the opportunities it will provide. And for all of our listeners out there, we hope you do too. If you are able, please donate to the Fund for Black Theater in the U.S. and take an active part in this movement. We've linked to the GoFundMe page and on all of our social media channels, as well as our website and our e-blast from this week. No donation is too small or too large. Anything you can give makes a difference. Aldo, we are so grateful to you for spending this time with us. We are so excited for you to meet your fundraising goal and to see where this all goes. And now I'll hand it off to our resident dramaturge, Dal Picado, for this episode's Bard Babble. As Hamlet says in Act Two, Scene Two, words, words, words. This episode's Bard Babble is Moonbeam. This word first appeared in A Midsummer Night's Dream in Act Three, Scene One, where Titania instructs her fairies to attend on Bottom and pluck the wings from painted butterflies to fan the moonbeams from his sleeping eyes. The word moon is an old, old word from the old English Mona, and a beam was generally thought of as a wooden plank used to build structures. However, when St. Bede in the 700 ADs translated biblical writings into English, he translated the phrase columna luxis as a beam of light. Shakespeare was the one to take the two ideas and combine them to make a completely new word sensation, a beam of light from the moon. Shakespeare created over 400 words. This has been one of them. Thank you, doll. Tune in to ShakesPod next week for our very spooktacular special Halloween episode, hosted by Miss Tamara and Titus, Doll Picado and James Lucas, and featuring a ghoulishly good interview with Macbeth's witches. Available for streaming on October 31st. From SVS to all of our wonderful listeners, thank you for joining us for this episode of Shakespeare.